So on this uh, Family Sunday, we will continue in this series on Jesus is Different. In uh, your bulletins, there are sermon notes that you can follow along with, and there will be some fill-ins on the screen. Today, we talk about the topic of Jesus being sent to the sick. So one of the games that I grew up playing was the game Operation. How many have a, 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 a Operation at home? How many have played Operation? All right, so, so you know, you pull a card, and this one is Water on the Knee. Uh, water on the Knee has got Sam. This is Cavity Sam for all of you at home. I uh, just recently realized what his name was. His name is Cavity Sam, I think, because all of the cavities that uh, we are exposing here. But Cavity Sam has all of these different ailments, and this one that I pulled is water on the knee. Water on the knee has got Sam feeling down. Take it out quick before his leg drowns. And uh, if I am able to successfully do this, let's see if I can do this. Let's see, water on the knee. I will try, and I got water on the knee, there's a water bucket. So I would get $500. Now, if I did not do this well, yeah, high stakes, right? Yes, high stakes surgeon, 500 bucks for that. Now, if I did not do well and I touched the edge, poor Sam, because I just messed up his surgery and... <laughs> If he was in bad shape already, he's in really bad shape now. And so the goal of the whole game is to be able to go through and to be able to get all of these ailments out of Cavity Sam. And as the description of the game is, is to make Cavity Sam better. Listen to that and hold on to that phrase because we'll come back to that later in the message. But that's the purpose of the game, to make Cavity Sam better as you operate. So I think about Jesus being sent to the sick and Jesus being different. It's not what we would expect. We would expect that Jesus would be sent to the rich. He would be sent to the powerful. He would be sent to the popular. He would be sent to the ones who already have it all together. But as we read and as we'll see, Jesus was not sent to those who have it all together. Jesus was sent to the sick. And the sickness, certainly we see the healing of Jesus. If you've been following along in this series or you have just know the stories of Jesus, certainly he touched physical bodies. But the sickness that he touches in Matthew is the sickness of sin, the sickness that all of us has. So let's look at this together. Uh, two lessons that we see, at least two lessons, but two that we'll look at this morning on this Family Sunday, Jesus being sent to the sick. The first is this, that Jesus comes for the sick, not the healthy. Jesus comes for the sick, not the healthy. There are two groups of people that we see represented in this story. The first is the group that is the sick. And Matthew represents this group. We're told that Matthew is a tax collector. Tax collectors in Jesus' day were some of the most hated and despised in Israel. 
They were hated by their own people because they were Jewish people that had aligned themselves with the occupying forces of Rome. And they were used by Rome to be able to collect these taxes from the people. So imagine the people that you despise are now aligning with the people that are your own. And as they would align with them, these tax collectors would not only take taxes for the people who you were despising, the Romans who were occupying your land, but they were given this privilege of being able to say, you owe $100, let's say. Rome was only asking for 50. But the people didn't know exactly how much Rome was asking for because it was just told to them by the tax collectors. And so these tax collectors were free to kind of determine the price. They knew how much they were required. But then on top of that, whatever they got in addition, they were able to keep. And so the tax collectors were these kind of low-life traitor, cheaters, scoundrels who got rich off of their own people. And Matthew, we are told, is one of these. Likely, Matthew had known of Jesus already. He probably had heard him teach along the way or had heard of the miracles that he had done. And so Matthew is somewhat familiar with Jesus up until this point, but Jesus comes to his tax collector booth one day and he tells Matthew, come, follow me. Matthew's not the kind of guy that you would expect Jesus to say, come, follow me. I want you to learn from me. I want you to be one of my disciples, one of my apprentices. I want you to be a part of my life. He's not what would fit. But Matthew hears the call, and he immediately leaves all that he knew to come and to follow Jesus. Matthew's so excited that he throws a party, and he invites Jesus and Jesus' disciples to his house. But Matthew has a pretty good friend group. His friend group are other tax collectors and Sinners, all the people that you knew, that's a bad person. They're involved in some bad stuff. They were the despised, the outcast. Who hangs out with the outcast? Usually the outcast. <laughs> all those who are involved in all the stuff hang out with those who are involved in all the stuff, right? And so not only is Jesus accepting the invitation to Matthew after Matthew accepts his, his invitation, but all of Matthew's friends come. And there Jesus is. And you see Jesus throughout the Gospels very comfortable with those who you would not expect him to be comfortable with, the tax collectors and the sinners. As we'll see later in our study of Matthew, in Matthew eleven nineteen, it's said of Jesus that he was a friend of sinners. It's how he was known. He was a friend of sinners. He eats with them. He spends time with them comfortably. And in verse 12, he says that it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. The sickness he re is referring to, as I mentioned earlier, is not a cold or the flu. The sickness that he is referring to is the sickness of sin. 
The sickness of sin is the common sickness of all humanity. The scriptures say that all have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. The scriptures say there is no one righteous. No, not one. Matthew represents all of us. But Matthew is a little bit different in that he recognizes his sickness. He recognizes his sin. Unlike the other group, the we'll call them the healthy group. This is the Pharisees. The Pharisees were a group of religious leaders in Jesus' day. They held very, very tightly to the scriptures. They believed in life after death and angels and demons, and they were very focused on morality and the outward obedience to the law. Not only did they hold on to the commands of the law, but they added some more to be able to really make sure that they were following what the law of God had said. Their focus was on outward obedience. And so they see Jesus, who is sitting at Matthew's house, and they ask him this question in verse 11. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, I don't think this was a curiosity question. I don't think the Pharisees saw Jesus and his disciples at Matthew's house with the tax collectors and sinners, and they were like, hmm, that's very interesting. I wouldn't have really thought that he would do that. Hey, disciples, explain this to me. This doesn't make any sense. This is, this is interesting. I don't think that's how they asked that question. I'm pretty sure that the way they asked this question was, why in the world would Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus, don't you know who those people are? They saw themselves as holy and healthy and righteous, and all of these sinners were down here. They knew, and they were the right ones, and the sinners, they were far from God. They were close to God, and the sinners were far from God. And so they asked this question, why? Why would he eat with them? Jesus answers their question with a statement. Verse 13, after saying it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It's not those who don't think they have a need. It's those who know they have a need. And then he tells them this, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. This is a quote from the book of Hosea, Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. They would have fully known that. They were steeped in the scriptures. This wasn't Jesus telling them for the first time, hey, here's some new information for you guys. What he was telling them was, Guys, you don't understand 
what you know. You're not living what you know. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The next phrase is acknowledgement of God, not burnt offerings. Isn't that interesting? Here are these outwardly healthy, righteous people who didn't understand the heart of God, who didn't understand the heart of the scriptures, and that is that Jesus is coming not for those who think they have it all together, because what do the scriptures say? No one is righteous. No, not one. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus is coming for those who understand that they have sinned, that they are sick, and that they need a doctor. Here's the lesson. The lesson is this. Admit your sickness or your sin. Don't hide it. And don't try to pretend that your bones aren't showing. Think of Cavity Sam for a second, right? <laughs> He's fully exposed. <laughs> he doesn't have anything hidden. But you know what sometimes we try to do? We try to look all fancy and pretty and righteous on the outside. We try to pretend that we don't have any bones showing. We try to show that we don't have any sickness or brokenness in our lives. We try to put on the outward, I have it all together. One pastor called it the Pharisee spirit and that all of us have a, a little itty bitty Pharisee living in us. I'll be the first to say, I know that there are times when I have the little itty bitty Pharisee that makes himself known in me, where I try to hide or I try to show that, hey, I got it together. When inside, when I pause and think, you know, like, no, my bones are really there. And I may try to shield that from other people, and I may not let other people know that it's there, but it's there. And what I need is to admit is to come in humility and honesty before God and others and say, hey, this is where I'm at. Imagine Cavity Sam saying, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm not sick. Don't mind the fact that all my bones are showing. I'm healthy. That'd be crazy. And yet that's often what we do. It begins by coming to the place where we admit our sickness because Jesus comes for the sick, not for the healthy. Which brings us to the second lesson, and that is this. That Jesus makes the sick new, not just better. Jesus makes the sick new, not just better. So, do you remember what I said the description of this game operation was? The goal was to do what? To make Cavity Sam what? Better. 
stated in the description is to make Cavity Sam better. And the way you do that is by removing all of his ailments. Here's the thing. If you remove all of his ailments, he's now missing a bunch of stuff, isn't he? He may be better, but he is not whole. Shortly after we moved here, I uh, joined the local adult basketball league. Where we lived before didn't have an adult basketball league. I thought it would always be fun to be in a basketball league. And when we moved here and there was one, yeah, I'm going to join. So I joined in there, and I'm playing. I'm having a good time, having fun. Until one day when I jump up for a rebound, and I'm one of the older guys playing with high school guys, college-age guys, and I go up in the air, and a guy hits me while I'm in the air, and I come down, and I land, and I won't go through all the gory details, but my left knee, the ACL, just exploded, and my, my meniscus ripped and tore in three places. And I was out of commission, and I needed surgery. And I had a great surgeon who did a great job, who repaired all of it, who made me, quote, unquote, what word am I going to say? Better. And he made me better. He fixed my knee. But when he fixed my knee, he had to do something. He had to find something to replace that anterior cruciate limit, ligament, the ACL. And so he went into my hamstring and took one of my hamstring tendons and made a new ligament out of that and surgically repaired it that way. Now, my knee got what? Better. But you know what got weaker? My hamstring. My hamstring, no matter what, well, now it's always deficient. It's always less than what it was intended to be. My knee is better. But my hamstring is weaker and will always be. I can strengthen it, but it will never be what it was or what my other hamstring is. See, my knee is better, but I am not fully better. In operation, we're going to try and make Cavity Sam better. But even in making him better, there's still some things that are broken in him. What's the lesson in this? The lesson is that we don't need to get better. The lesson is we need to be made new. We don't need to get better. We need to be made new. Because what, sometimes what we want is we want Jesus to make us better. To fix the things in us that ail us. Maybe we're angry. Jesus, would you fix my anger? Maybe I'm losing my patience. Jesus, would you help me with my patience? Maybe, you know what? I really want what other people have. I'm kind of greedy, and I kind of want other people's stuff, and I'm not really satisfied until I have other people's stuff. So, Jesus, would you make me not greedy and content? Maybe, you know what? I realize I'm kind of selfish. I think of myself more than I should. Maybe when I get frustrated or pushed, there's some words that come out of my mouth that shouldn't come out of my mouth. You fill in the blank. We could be here for a long time saying all the things that ail us, all the wrongs that are there. 
And what we want Jesus to do often is put a Band-Aid on it or to give us some medicine for our sickness so that that thing that isn't good gets better. But here's what Jesus wants to do. Jesus wants to go to the cause of that and make it new. And here's the lesson that I see in Matthew. In the book of Mark and Luke, there are parallel uh, stories of this. It's the same story told by Mark and told by Luke. In both places, in Mark it says, there was a tax collector named Levi, son of Alphaeus. In Luke, it says, there was a tax collector named Levi. That was his name. But when we read Matthew's account, writing about himself, what does he say? Does he say, there was a guy named Levi, a tax collector? No, he says, there was a tax collector by the name of what? Matthew. There was a tax collector named Matthew. What what happened? Did, did Mark and Luke get it wrong? I don't think so. Remember a guy by the name of Simon who was a follower of Jesus and Jesus said, from now on, Simon, your name is no longer Simon. Your name is Peter. Good. And on this rock, because Peter means rock, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Jesus changes his name because he changes who he is. Scholars believe that that's what's going on with Matthew. That Matthew had a name change. That he no longer went by Levi, because what did Levi represent? (laughs) Levi was the tax collector. The ailment, what was broken, what was wrong. But Jesus comes and meets him, and Jesus says, you're now Matthew. And Matthew, the name, means gift of God. Imagine the one who everyone hated, who everyone despised. Would you feel like you are a gift of God? (laughs) I don't think Matthew at all felt like he was a gift of God. I think he felt like he was hated, despised. No one liked him. Every, the only people he could hang out with were the people who no one else liked. But Jesus meets him and he says, come, Matthew, come, follow me. And along the way, he changes his name. This is who you are now. That was who you were. And I'm just not going to put a Band-Aid on it. I'm going to change you at the core. I'm going to make you new. I'm going to revolutionize you. I'm going to change you so that you are now Matthew, gift of God. Friends, when Jesus meets us, he makes us new. He doesn't just make us better. He makes us new. The scriptures talk about when we come to Christ, we are born again. There is not just patching some stuff up. There is a new creation that comes. And when there's deeper sin in our lives after we come to Christ, Jesus doesn't just come and patch it up. Jesus goes to the root and he rips it out and he changes it and he replaces it with his spirit so we are more 
we are new, we are restored, we are healed, we are delivered. There is a newness to us that wasn't there before. I love that picture, that he doesn't just make us better. He makes us new. We want to sing and celebrate that this morning. But even before we do, I would just encourage us with this. Lord Jesus, what is it in my life that you don't want to just put a Band-Aid on and make better? But what is it, Jesus, that you want to make totally new? He is able and he will do it as we seek his face. Let's take a moment to pray and then the worship team is going to lead us as a, a great way to respond to this in celebration this morning of our new identity in Christ. Let's pray. So Jesus, we just celebrate the fact that you, when you come, you come not for the healthy, the righteous, but for the sick, the sinner. I thank you, Jesus, that there is no one who is too far from being able to be made new. I thank you, Jesus, that even when we come to you and are made new, that there is no area of our lives that is beyond your work, that is beyond you being able to not just make us better, but to make us new. And so Jesus, even in these areas that we offer to you, we pray that you would make us new. In the river of your presence, may you make us new. You are able, we believe, we believe. Receive our praise even now as we celebrate the new name that you give us, the new identity in Christ. May we hold on to that this day in the ways that you make us and are making us new. Jesus, you are our hope. You are the one that we love. You are our healer, the one sent to the sick. Our hope is in you. In Jesus' name, amen.